Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Section 3 of The Wonderful Adventures of Nils. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander The Wonderful Adventures of Nils by Selma Lagerlöf Translated from the Swedish by Velma Swanston Howard The Wonderful Journey of Nils Just at that time a thing happened in Skåne which created a good deal of discussion, and even got into the newspapers, but which many believed to be a fable because they had not been able to explain it. It was about like this. A lady squirrel had been captured in the hazel brush that grew on the shores of Bomb Lake, and was carried to a farmhouse close by. All the folks on the farm, both young and old, were delighted with the pretty creature with the bushy tail, the wise inquisitive eyes, and the natty little feet. They intended to amuse themselves all summer by watching its nimble movements, its ingenious way of shelling nuts, and its droll play. They immediately put in order an old squirrel cage with a little green house and a wire cylinder wheel. The little house, which had both doors and windows, the lady squirrel was to use as a dining room and bedroom. For this reason they placed therein a bed of leaves, a bowl of milk, and some nuts. The cylinder wheel, on the other hand, she was to use as a playhouse, where she could run and climb and swing round. The people believed that they had arranged things very comfortably for the lady squirrel, and they were astonished because she didn't seem to be contented, but instead she sat there, downcast and moody, in a corner of her room. Every now and again she would let out a shrill, agonized cry. She did not touch the food, and not once did she swing round on the wheel. "'It's probably because she is frightened,' said the farmer folk. "'Tomorrow, when she feels more at home, she will both eat and play.' Meanwhile the women folk on the farm were making preparations for a feast. And just on that day, when the lady squirrel had been captured, they were busy with an elaborate bake. They had had bad luck with something, 
either the dough wouldn't rise or else they had been dilatory for they were obliged to work long after dark naturally there was a great deal of excitement and bustle in the kitchen and probably no one there took time to think about the squirrel or to wonder how she was getting on but there was an old grandma in the house who was too aged to take a hand in the baking this she herself understood but just the same she did not relish the idea of being left out of the game she felt rather downhearted and for this reason she did not go to bed but seated herself by the sitting-room window and looked out they had opened the kitchen door on account of the heat and through it a clear ray of light streamed out on the yard and it became so well lighted out there that the old woman could see all the cracks and holes in the plastering on the wall opposite she also saw the squirrel cage which hung just where the light fell clearest and she noticed how the squirrel ran from her room to the wheel and from the wheel to her room all night long without stopping an instant she thought it was a strange sort of unrest that had come over the animal but she believed of course that the strong light kept her awake between the cowhouse and the stable there was a broad handsome carriage gate this too came within the light radius as the night wore on the old grandma saw a tiny creature no bigger than a hand's breadth cautiously steal his way through the gate he was dressed in leather breeches and wooden shoes like any other working man the old grandma knew at once that it was the elf and she was not the least bit frightened she had always heard that the elf kept himself somewhere about the place although she had never seen him before and an elf to be sure brought good luck wherever he appeared as soon as the elf came into the stone-paved yard he ran right up to the squirrel cage and since it hung so high that he could not reach it he went over to the storehouse after a rod placed it against the cage and swung himself up in the same way that a sailor climbs a rope when he had reached the cage he shook the door of the little greenhouse as if he wanted to open it but the old grandma didn't move for she knew that the children had put a padlock on the door as they feared that the boys on the neighboring farm would try to steal the squirrel the old woman saw that when the boy could not get the door open the lady squirrel came out to the wire wheel there they held a long conference together and when the boy had listened to all that the imprisoned animal had to say to him he slid down the rod to the ground and ran out through the carriage gate the old woman didn't expect to see anything more of the elf that night nevertheless she remained at the window after a few moments had gone by he returned he was in such a hurry that it seemed to her as though his feet hardly touched the ground and he rushed right up to the squirrel cage the old woman with her far-sighted eyes saw him distinctly and she also saw that he carried something in his hands but what it was she couldn't imagine the thing he carried in his left hand he laid down on the pavement but that which he held in his right hand he took with him to the cage 
He kicked so hard with his wooden shoes on the little window that the glass was broken. He poked in the thing which he held in his hand to the lady squirrel. Then he slid down again and took up that which he had laid upon the ground and climbed up to the cage with that also. The next instant he ran off again with such haste that the old woman could hardly follow him with her eyes. But now it was the old grandma who could no longer sit still in the cottage, but who very slowly went out into the backyard and stationed herself in the shadow of the pump to await the elf's return. And there was one other who had also seen him and had become curious. This was the house-cat. He crept along slyly and stopped close to the wall, just two steps away from the stream of light. They both stood and waited, long and patiently, on that chilly March night, and the old woman was just beginning to think about going in again, when she heard a clatter on the pavement, and saw that the little mite of an elf came trotting along once more, carrying a burden in each hand, as he had done before. That which he bore squealed and squirmed, and now a light dawned on the old grandma. She understood that the elf had hurried down to the hazel grove and brought back the lady squirrel's babies, and that he was carrying them to her so they shouldn't starve to death. The old grandma stood very still, so as not to disturb them, and it did not look as if the elf had noticed her. He was just going to lay one of the babies on the ground, so that he could swing himself up to the cage with the other one, when he saw the house-cat's green eyes glisten close beside him. He stood there bewildered, with the young one in each hand. He turned around and looked in all directions, then he became aware of the old grandma's presence. Then he did not hesitate long but walked forward, stretched his arms as high as he could reach, for her to take one of the baby squirrels. The old grandma did not wish to prove herself unworthy of the confidence, so she bent down and took the baby squirrel, and stood there and held it until the boy had swung himself up to the cage with the other one. Then he came back for the one he had entrusted to her care. The next morning, when the farm folk had gathered together for breakfast, it was impossible for the old woman to refrain from telling them of what she had seen the night before. They all laughed at her, of course, and said that she had been only dreaming. There were no baby squirrels this early in the year. But she was sure of her ground, and begged them to take a look into the squirrel cage, and this they did. And there lay on the bed of leaves four tiny, half-naked, half-blind baby squirrels, who were at least a couple of days old. When the farmer himself saw the young ones, he said, Be it as it may with this, but one thing is certain. We on this farm have behaved in such a manner that we are shamed before both animals and human beings. And thereupon he took the smother squirrel and all her young ones from the cage, and laid them in the old grandma's lap. Go thou out to the hazel grove with them, said he, and let them have their freedom back again. It was this event that was so much talked about, 
and which even got into the newspapers, but which the majority would not credit because they were not able to explain how anything like that could have happened. Vitschevle, Saturday, March 26. Two days later, another strange thing happened. A flock of wild geese came flying one morning and lit on a meadow down in eastern Skåne, not very far from Vitschevle Manor. In the flock were thirteen wild geese of the usual grey variety, and one white goose gander, who carried on his back a tiny lad dressed in yellow leather breeches, green vest, and a white woolen toboggan hood. They were now very near the eastern sea, and on the meadow where the geese had alighted the soil was sandy, as it usually is on the sea-coast. It looked as if formerly there had been flying sand in this vicinity which had to be held down, for in several directions large planted pine woods could be seen. When the wild geese had been feeding a while, several children came along and walked on the edge of the meadow. The goose who was on guard at once raised herself into the air with noisy wing-strokes, so the whole flock should hear that there was danger on foot. All the wild geese flew upward, but the white one trotted along on the ground unconcerned. When he saw the others fly, he raised his head and called after them, "'You needn't fly away from these. They are only a couple of children.' The little creature who had been riding on his back sat down upon a knoll on the outskirts of the wood and picked a pine-cone in pieces that he might get at the seeds. The children were so close to him that he did not dare to run across the meadow to the white one. He concealed himself under a big, dry, thistle 